Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. This is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello, Humble Warriors. Coming from New Digs today. Yeah, we moved into a new studio, which is Chris's new house. And uh, we'll talk about that. We'll get deeper on that at some point. But we want to make sure that everybody knows that you can find us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, on Facebook at The Humble Warrior Podcast, as well as on Instagram. And please subscribe to iTunes and leave us a review. And today we have a guest from the West Coast. He's joining us on the line, Jason Robo. Yeah, very pumped to have Jason on the line and very, very grateful um, that he is you know, taking time out of his busy schedule to be with us today. And what's our connection with Jason? Well, Jason, Jason is, I'm going to let him speak for himself, but he's, he's from, he's from the the Detroit area. And, um, I just referred to Jason through Dr. Joel Kahn. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the shows that we've talked about in the spiritual fitness, uh, we need to take care of our body, mind, and spirit. And one of the things we always talked about is eating and putting the right uh, food and liquids in our body. And I'm so excited that he's, you know, here with us today. And you and I were just joking, like over the weekend, I was in a move and that was very chaotic with a lot of stuff going on. But one of the main things I made sure is I was still eating very clean throughout the process with my smoothies and raw veggie burgers. So uh, excited to have Jason on the line. I'm sure he's gonna be able to educate our listeners and he's got exciting stuff going on. Great. So we got Jason Robo, who is a world-renowned leader in organic, raw, vegan cuisine, culinary education, and Epicurean entertainment. He honed his organic culinary skills at the Karmic Cafe in Detroit, the Jiva Mukti Cafe at the Jiva Mukti Yoga Center in New York City. He was the head raw food chef at the award-winning Cafe La Vie in Santa Cruz, California, and you might recognize him from his, the cooking channel show, How to Live to 100, his international best-selling DVD, Simple Vegan Classics, or his YouTube channel, The J. Rowe Show. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, Jason Robo. I'm so excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for being on the line. I know it's early over there. Well, not that early, but it's earlier than it is over here on the East Coast. So thanks for uh, making it up and being on the Humble Warrior Podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. um, So culinary arts, people don't often think as culinary arts as being this holistic, um, wholesome thing. How did you get into it? You know, it was it was never anything that I envisioned myself doing. It's it's kind of uh, funny to look back on the arc of my life and my career. as you mentioned, I grew up in, in Detroit. I actually grew up in the city of Detroit. Okay. Um, and, you know, growing up, my, my experience with food was, was interesting because on one side of my family, I had uh, my mom's side is, is 100% Polish. So we had that Eastern European, very heavy Polish food. Got it. And then on my dad's side, uh, he's Puerto Rican and Spanish. So I Polish, Puerto Rican, and Spanish. What very a mix. Different. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because... You know, on both sides, though, you have that comfort food. You know, you have those really dense meals, a lot of starches, a lot of uh, uh, heavier doughy foods. Um, So growing up, you know, I I can't say I was really the healthiest. I was definitely had a standard American diet. Um, And I guess the long and short of of me getting into the culinary arts is um, when I decided to become 
a vegetarian and then vegan in my late teens and early 20s, I quickly had to learn how to make food for myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. You know, transitioning from those comfort foods and a standard American diet, um, I knew that I didn't want to become uh, a vegan and do it in an unhealthy way or an unsustainable way. So um, luckily, I, I started to experiment. Um, my mother was very supportive. My mom's always been an amazing cook. She ended up going vegan a few months later. Wow. And uh, when I moved out to Los Angeles back in 2005, I originally came out here because I was doing theater and acting and came out to, you know, test my wares in the uh, in the acting world out in L.A. Yeah. And it was tough making a living. Sure. You know, it's it's cliche, but it's true. And I thought, OK, what else do I love to do artistically? What else am I good at? But what could I become great at? And I was always pretty darn good as a cook. But I thought, OK, can I somehow combine my skills being in front of the camera and on a stage with my love for food? Right. So I went to uh, the Living Light Culinary Arts Institute uh, up in Northern California, went through their entire chef's training program and came out on the other side with uh, these newfound skills that I've been blessed to uh, be sharing with the world for the past uh, 11 years now. Wow, that's an awesome story. And I think it's interesting that you've got, you said Polish and Spanish, was it? Uh, yeah, Polish, Spanish, and Puerto Rican. <laughs> so, which is funny because, so where'd you live in Detroit? Did you live in between Hamtramck and Mexican Town? Or <laughs> That is funny. You would think, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I actually grew up uh, on the far west side. I grew up in uh, in a neighborhood called Warrendale, right near uh, Warren and Evergreen, for, okay. for my Detroit peeps listening. Yeah. All right. Um, so I was on the far west side, right near, uh, right near the border of Dearborn Heights. Got it. Okay, I know where that's at. Well, that's awesome. So you went out to California. You wanted to be an actor. And what happened there? I mean, I know it's hard, but did you did you do auditions? Did anything happen? Yeah, you know, I started auditioning. I, I knew some casting agents out here. Uh, I was also playing music. I, I had been in bands for years. And, you know, the whole vision was like, I'm just going to move to L.A. Yep, yep. I'm going to start auditioning. I'm going to get with a new band. And I did those things. Which the auditioning process was was fun and exciting and very challenging. Um, getting with a new band and starting to write and record new music was great, but none of that was paying the bills. Right, I know and that it was feeling. Like, oh man, you know, and the cost of living was um, was such a, a a culture shock coming out here because you mentioned Hamtramck. Right. Uh, the last place that I lived in Detroit, right before I moved out here, I was sharing a flat in Hamtramck with a friend. And I remember writing that last check and saying to him, my friend Rob, I said, this is going to be the most inexpensive rent I'm ever going to pay in my life (laughs) forever. And I think my rent at that time, this was uh, this was uh, summer of 2005. I was paying one hundred and thirty three dollars a month to live in Hamtramck. Nice. Wow. So So you you could say California was quite a bit more expensive, right? (laughs) And it sounds like though you're loving it right now. Is that right? I am. You know, it's um LA has been very good to me. It's it's, you know, it's going on a decade being here and um and you know, it it's been definitely a challenge in different ways. Uh, I mentioned the cost of living is is an ever-present challenge uh right. trying to to balance the finances as, a, as an entrepreneur and an artist. Mm-hmm. But uh but the the weather um, the amount of, of conscious community out here, people doing really amazing things to be of service to this planet. 
um, the number of, of wonderful spiritual teachers and mentors that I have, and uh, and the food. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the access to amazing, clean, healthy food we have out here. So amidst the challenges, you know, Los Angeles has been a very, very good place for me. It, it was definitely looking in hindsight and moving forward into the future, uh, a good strategic move for me in, in terms of growing my career and my brand. Right. That's great because that's one of the things, you know, we talk about on the show is living a spiritual fitness lifestyle is really putting yourself at a place where where you want to live and, and be around, you know, people, food, weather, whatever it is for each one of us but building your life around you. And it sounds like that's what you've been doing is you've been going down this path of with the acting and the auditions and then your love for food and your creativity. And I love that you use the word artist throughout, you know, throughout this uh, interview. But as you've gone down this path, you fit, you figured it out. You've kind of like understanding yourself and bringing it together and now sharing that your gifts to all of us, which is great. And, you know, I guess for us living here back in Detroit, you know, this is like you mentioned, it is kind of tough to first start. I'm even actually been exploring the vegan diet through Dr. Joel Kahn and have been consciously working on that. But it is a, a, an obstacle for people to overcome to follow a vegan lifestyle. What tips can you give for us people living here back in your hometown? You know, how to get started, maybe keep it simple and just to explore it. Yeah, it's a great question. I I can really use my family as an example to to answer this question. Um, when I became vegan back in 1998, which is really funny to think about being a vegan in Detroit in the 90s, because it was it was pretty challenging back then. Right. Right now, looking at um, I suppose the the transformational aspects of my family, my mother. Uh, my aunt, my two cousins, my uncle, actually three cousins are all either fully vegan or headed in that direction. And I've looked at how they've done it. And, and I've certainly supported them with information and, and recipes along the way. But strategically, there there are some commonalities that I've noticed that they have taken in their approach. And one is they've done it very gradually. They haven't gone cold turkey or cold soy turkey, if you will, overnight. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they... Uh, <laughs> They have done it over a process of, of many months or even many years where they've been willing to experiment with new recipes to see how they feel energetically and physically after they consume certain foods. And they've been very mindful with how they substitute certain things in their current lifestyle. So, for example, uh, a lot of them <clears throat> excuse me, have taken out dairy as the very first thing and noticed an immediate effect in their energy uh, certain weight loss, maybe maybe respiratory benefits from taking out the dairy products. Mm. And we're blessed with having so many alternatives now in terms of, say, coconut milk or hemp milk, almond right. milk, mm -hmm. things that mimic the same flavor and texture and uh, usability in recipes that standard dairy milk does. So they would just gradually substitute one thing at a time. And I think mentally what that did was that prevented a feeling of deprivation and a feeling of, oh, I'm going to miss out on the things that I love. So I think it's very important to be experimental and gradually try incorporating these new foods in and see how you feel. And over the course of, as I said, a few months or a few years, 
as you're making those gradual substitutions and, and monitoring how you feel, I think keeping a food journal and a, 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 you know, a diet journal to, to make notes of how you feel is a very important step in that process. And back in Detroit, I got to say now in 2016, you, you guys are so blessed with more resources and restaurants than there has ever been there. You know, you've right. got the Green Space Cafe in Detroit, Vegan Soul, the Ohm Cafe, Cacao Tree, In Season, uh, Dr. Joel Kahn is having a tremendous impact. Yeah. Uh, yep. You've got, you know, Drought Juice and Gary Yarovsky's there. And right. it's never been easier to eat uh, a more plant strong or fully vegan lifestyle in Detroit than it's ever been. Right. Yeah, I feel very blessed. I mean, it's a very, I mean, this community itself, and obviously, you know, from being here, it's, they've made a lot of headway and you can, you can go out and, and not only you can have a good time and have a good meal. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I'll tell you back in the nineties, man, it was, I think it was just Seva, uh, out in Ann Arbor and it was in season. And right. I remember thinking like, oh man, you know, neither one of those locations were very close to where I lived. And I thought, you know, I got to get good at cooking food in the kitchen, but but now, you know, as you said, you can go out and get an awesome gourmet vegan meal in Metro Detroit and have a great evening on top of it. Right. Right. So, you know, I have a question because I'm still a carnivore. I'm kind of I'm kind of the moving into the entry of of eating more healthy. Uh -huh. but, but, you know, one of the challenges that I have is. I feel like it's it takes more time to prepare vegan food like i have to i can't you know i'm if i'm busy i can stop at mcdonald's or i can fast food place or something like that what can i do or what what suggestions are there out there or tips to create something that is more i guess portable or easy to access or is that a total myth on my part i could i could just be totally mentally thinking that yeah i, I mean in all honesty i i do think there is a bit of mythology involved there because um there are so many, I suppose, you know, easy to access foods in the plant world. And one secret that I always share with people, if, if you have a day, usually it seems to be Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening for most people I talk to, where you can do batch cooking. So say you could make a, a really huge crock pot of soup or, or, or pot of um, some kind of chili yeah. and have that for five or six days during the week. And all it takes is one chunk of your Sunday afternoon and you've got your entire meals or your entire lunches you can take to work for the next five to six days. You can prepare salad dressings on that day. Um, you can, you know, get your meal planning together and then you're, you're kind of on easy street for the rest of the week. So batch cooking, whether you're vegan or not, I think is a great way to subvert that feeling of overwhelm when you get into the work week and you're thinking, oh God, I don't have any time to prepare healthy food. It's already taken care of because you spent two or three hours on Sunday prepping for the whole week. So that's one secret. The other secret is there are more convenience foods now, actually clean, healthy convenience foods than ever before. Uh, one really easy substitution, a super quick breakfast idea that I share with my fans and clients is uh, a chia seed pudding recipe. That's one of the recipes in my uh, in my new book. Oh. where all you have to do is take uh, take a non-dairy milk of any kind. You mix it with these chia seeds, which are these um, South American Peruvian seeds. You can get them anywhere. You can get them at Kroger now, in fact. Okay. And they soak up all the liquid you put with them, and it becomes almost like this dense porridge or oatmeal consistency. But it's really high in protein, really high in omega fatty acids, which are good for the heart, 
and also really high in dietary fiber. So you can eat a pretty decent sized bowl of this chia pudding and you feel satiated for many hours throughout the day. And there's so many recipes I have, uh, again, in the new book that are really quick to prep and really nutrient dense. So when we look at nutrient dense foods, you know, that's really what's giving us that feeling of satiation. It's not the calories in the food. It's the density and the balance of the nutrients that gives us that feeling of satisfaction. Got it. Wow. I'm excited to try that breakfast. I mean, let, let's let's dive right into your new book because I'm excited because I need resources like this. So can you tell us a little bit about your new book that's coming out? Yeah, I would love to. So it's called Eternity, uh, more than 150 deliciously easy vegan recipes for a long, healthy, satisfied, and joyful life. And the concept of the book is really giving people uh, nutrition 101 meets super easy, incredibly delicious vegan spins on comfort food recipes. So what I've done is I've broken it down into 14 different chapters. And it's really a, a unique concept in the sense that it eschews the typical cookbook format where that's usually appetizers, entrees, desserts, etc. And we have a benefit-focused content breakdown. So we've got things like eat for better sex, good sleep, weight loss, eat for happiness and good moods, eat for more energy, eat for detoxification, brain power, eating for more muscle, immunity, strong bones, eat for great skin, eat for strong eyesight, eat for a healthy heart and eat for less stress. So what you're going to find is as you turn to each chapter, you're going to see a breakdown of not just the foods and the nutrients that help you achieve these physical and mental goals in your life, but what ingredients to select and incorporate into these recipes and exactly the breakdown of how these affect the body. So in addition to the recipes and the nutrients, we also have life strategies like specific fitness routines to build muscle and strengthen bone mass. We've got meditation techniques to reduce anxiety and stress. And a lot of the techniques that the centenarians in these blue zones, that's the people who have lived over the age of 100 and beyond, right. have implemented in their lives to live really strong, vital lives at 100 years old and even past that age. So it's not just a cookbook. It's more of a, um, I guess, a lifestyle guide with really good recipes. No, that sounds like an awesome book, especially for our audience. I mean, you don't often see, I think, especially for someone like me, I'm kind of the layman spiritual guy on the show, and I'm just entering into this world, and it seems like a good entry point of information and resource for me to just look at everything because a lot of times what we talk about is how our food and our and our kind of our physical well-being and our and our mental well-being, all these things are connected. And a lot of times you only get a lot of these resources, they're, they're focused on one thing. And it looks like yours is very holistic and touching a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I definitely wrote it with that intention um, that, you know, I look at, at nourishment and, and food as not just being, you know, physical things that we put into our mouth and digest, but it's also the impressions that we take in. It's our belief systems and our thought patterns. It's the energy that we assimilate from the people around us and the relationships we choose. So to me, nourishment can come in many forms, not just the physical sense. And the book was really written with that focus of, you know, let's take a better look at what we're eating. Let's take a better look at our relationships, our relationships to spirit, our relationships to our purpose in life and how we can truly live a, a, a much more holistic, clear and intentional life with all these forms of nourishment that we take in on a day-to-day -day basis. 
That's awesome. This book is so well needed. Um, like John mentioned, um, are you going to be coming back to Detroit anytime soon? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm coming back as part of the book tour. I'm, I'm going to be doing a launch party at Green Space Cafe in Ferndale, Dr. Joel Kahn's place, oh. on April 23rd. So Saturday, April 23rd in the evening. Okay. I'm going to be doing a book launch party there. We're going to have uh, all the information coming out really, really soon about that. And, uh, and also the next day, uh, the 24th of April, I'm going to be doing the uh, Michigan Veg Fest out in Novi. Okay. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that was going on. Oh, man. It's, I got to tell you, I do quite a bit of touring and have done for the past five or six years. And it is delightfully surprising how many people come to this event. Uh, last year, I think they said they had upwards of eight or 10,000 people wow. show up. Whoa. So there's people that come from Canada and Ohio, uh, Minnesota, Indiana. The turnout is absolutely spectacular. So um, one of my favorite events of the year, and I'm going to be doing a book signing and an appearance there. So awesome. You, so you've got the book out. What are, what are, is this what you're doing right now? It's just a book? Are you still a chef? What's your you know, life look like today? It, it's a great question because you know, starting out after culinary school, I really got my feet wet in the restaurant world and, and had a catering business. I was doing celebrity personal chefing for a few years, but right now I'm completely focused on media. So this book is really the entire focus of my life right now. Um, in addition to the YouTube channel, uh, the, the how to live to 100 TV show is still going on cooking channel. So once I pivoted and really looked at how I could combine the acting skills and the presentation skills that I learned from doing, you know, theater and commercial acting and combining that with food. I'm really just hundred percent focused on media and getting this information out in whatever social media channels and, and written forms that I can. So the long answer is yes, the book is kind of consuming my life right now. And, uh, and that's going to lead in actually to a new online course that I'm going to be launching in the fall. So people can look out for that coming in the next few months as well. That's awesome. So, you know, I have a, I have a question. Sure. Let me see if I can articulate it. So you you became a vegan when you were in your teen years in Detroit, right? That's correct. And why? How did you decide to go? What brought you down that path? It's it's a fascinating story that I think highlights. We never really know what's coming for us in life. We never know what changes are awaiting us because. At 18 years old, 19 years old, I, I suppose I was like the typical American teenager. I didn't really care about what I was putting in my body. Uh, whatever you put in front of me, I would eat it. Uh, whether it was fast food, junk food, it, it didn't really matter. I, I had no real consciousness about what the food was doing to my body, mind, and spirit. I was just eating whatever was in front of me. And in 1995, my grandfather was diagnosed with his second bout with cancer. He had, he had beaten the cancer. It had gone into remission uh, several decades before. But this had returned very, uh, very aggressively. It was a form of prostate cancer. And he was not going to make it this time. You know, it was pretty clear that it was, it was much more aggressive. And seeing him... Seeing him wither away and die had a profound psychological effect on me because grandpa was really, he was the patriarch of the family. In our family, grandpa was who you went to when you needed anything. You know, it didn't matter if it was a, a set of hex head bolts for the engine of a 62, you know, 
you know, Ford Galaxy. You know, he he had he had and could do anything. Grandpa was the man. Mm-hmm. And to see him, you know, just just become so weak and die made me really look inward. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't want to end up that way. And I found it odd that my entire family had this attitude of, oh, well, you know, that's just what happens. You know, you get cancer and die or you get heart disease and die. You get diabetes. It's just what happens. Right. And something didn't make sense to me about that. I thought, no, that's not just what happens. And I don't accept that that's just what's going to happen to me. That that something about that doesn't make sense. And the Internet had just kind of taken hold around 1995, 1996. And I went on this voracious research project of my own volition and getting my hands on any kind of research studies I could find about cancer and and holistic eating and nutrition. And at that time, um, mad cow disease and Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease and factory farming and, and genetically modified foods were just starting to come into the consciousness of the mainstream. And so I just went down this rabbit hole and there was no end to the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, if I'm honest about it, I don't really feel that good myself. I'm in my, I'm in my late teens, almost early twenties. I don't really feel that good. And if I don't make some changes now, uh, you know, God forbid I end up, you know, having some fatal disease And, and it was enough to motivate me to start making changes. So Um, Over the course of about two and a half to three years, I started that gradual substitution process and I started treating my body and my life as an experiment. I started taking out one thing at a time, you know, taking out pork and chicken and beef and dairy. And gradually, as I took one thing out and replaced it with a new product, I started feeling better. I had more energy. My skin cleared up. I started feeling more mentally positive. And after about, like I said, two and a half to three years, I remember standing in the kitchen looking at my mom right before my 21st birthday and saying, you know what? I think I'm vegan now. (laughs) (laughs) And it was weird to say it, you know, it's like, I never intended this. This was not like, Oh, okay. When, you know, life goal, I'm going to be vegan one day. Right. But I just couldn't deny how much better I felt and not just in a physical sense, but, but this feeling of, of my soul feeling aligned with my values Right. Like that this life choice was not only making me feel physically better, but I was extending more compassion to animal life. I was having a more positive impact on the environment, you know, the environment and the resources we have. And it just felt like a decision that was in full alignment with all my values. And, um, you know, I'm going on almost 20 years now and, I, and I've never looked back. Wow. That's amazing that it's such, I mean... I would say that's an early age to come to those realizations and to go through that experience. And it's clear that going through it at a younger age has really benefited you because kind of seeing your life's path from becoming vegan, then going out to LA and then trying to become, trying to follow your dreams and become an actor and a musician and then realizing that that's a tough road and it's hard to make a living like that and making that pivot and and combining everything that you love and all the skills that you have into your work and then creating the life that you have i mean it's almost i i point hey it's all it's great that you've, you've had that realization at such a young age because it took you down such a awesome path for your life yeah, and on, 
and it was definitely an unexpected one. You know, uh, I often look back at, at that time in my life and wondering, you know, what was the turning point for me? And, and I guess it was just, um, coming into a sense of self-love, mm, you know, yeah. th- that's a topic that I really drill down in this book is that if, if we can move past this narcissistic perception that self-love is this negative thing, mm. oh, well, sure, you love, you love yourself. There's, there's almost this negative reaction we have toward, toward the concept of loving ourselves more. And I think it's misguided because if we truly love and accept ourselves unconditionally, not only do we have that energy to give others because we have so much love within ourselves that's been self-cultivated, but I think we naturally are going to gravitate toward making healthier, more sustainable choices for our health and our diet that way. Right. Um, I think one of the reasons why culturally we have so much rampant disease and, and um, rampant negative food choices is because I think people don't really care for themselves that much, if I'm honest about it. I, I think people have a really negative self-perception, and they don't really care what they put in their bodies because they don't love themselves that much. Um, and I think, you know, spiritually, mentally, we need to learn the, the, the tools we didn't learn growing up to truly love ourselves first. Absolutely. And you, you hit the nail right in the head, Jason, is that, and that's why I'm so excited to read your book. It's, it starts with education. And like you said, bringing the tools out for, for, for someone, you know, tools in their toolbox. So they have these tools and resources and also not, they're not alone anymore. There's a movement going on where people are understanding what you're saying. And there are books like yours coming out. That's helping educate. We call mainstream. And that's kind of one of the things why we, we love our show and what we're doing and why we call it spiritual fitness. And it leads me into my next question is, can you give us another part of your life um, besides obviously eating clean that you're practicing what we call spiritual fitness? What else do you do through your daily routine or that's part of your life that makes you feel good, that gets you to a place of, let's say, unconditional love? I have to say that um, I've I've assembled a a daily routine, a morning routine specifically that helps to to anchor me in that that feeling of of self love and, and nourishing myself before I open up the channels to you know the world to to email and computer and and extending my energy outward and um, really it's about taking a good chunk of time early in the morning to to make sure that I'm grounded and present and and in my body so. That really involves uh, uh, several methods. I uh, immediately upon waking uh, say some gratitude prayers and really give thanks for uh, another day of life, for another day of, of nourishment, for the peace and prosperity in my existence. And really the first thing I do as soon as I wake up is, is open the eyes and take a breath and say these gratitude pr- prayers that I have another day. Um, that's very powerful. I, uh, I immediately try to alkalize the body. And I do that by um, drinking several glasses of water, uh, putting a little organic lemon juice or apple cider vinegar, which can instantly alkalize the body. Um, that's definitely great to wake up. Taking a cold shower also is is a really powerful practice. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people may cringe at this idea, but um, from a perspective of the central nervous system, uh, taking a, a cold shower is actually quite beneficial. 
and a daily meditation practice. Every morning, 20 to 30 minutes of meditation. I've uh, built a little meditation area in, in one of my closets here at my place. And just taking that time to quiet the mind and go inward is incredibly powerful. And also making time for some form of daily fitness, whether that's as simple as taking a walk in the neighborhood here, whether that's more hardcore like I've been doing for the past year of weight training three to four times a week. But, uh, you know, not sleeping on that fitness. We have to move our bodies. Um, I feel like, you know, we have such a sedentary lifestyle in front of the computer or at the office in, in our day jobs. And taking time for daily fitness is also part of my routine. And I found that as it's interesting, it's almost antithetical to what a lot of people might think. But as I've given myself more focus and and paid more attention to my own self-care, I've had more energy and more presence to be available for others as a result. Right. Absolutely. Right on. And I think that's the hardest. Personally, I think that's the hardest concept to overcome. Some of the points you you brought up that have just appeared in my life recently where it's this self-love and loving ourselves you know I just recently was having a conversation with somebody and right now I'm doing the things that I love and I recently had the opportunity to interview for a different job and get back into the business world and I was having this conversation and I was like you know I I don't know if I should take this job because it's it's a lot of money it could change my life and it could really help my family and she said you know this person I was talking to, she said, well, but you love what you're doing right now. You love it. So why would you change it? And I said, well, because I, I kind of feel guilty. I feel like I should be working harder. I should have a little more stress or I should be doing something. And I think that's prevalent in our society where we kind of, we beat ourselves up or we feel like we have to, we have to struggle at times. And I think what you said about just loving yourself, that really hit home because I just had this conversation the other day with somebody. Yeah, it's, it's very poignant. You bring that up actually, because you know, one of the, one of the mental constructs that I'm still working on undoing from my upbringing, uh, you know, in Detroit was, was this, um, I guess it's, it's a double-edged sword. Let me be more honest about it is, is this, um, hardcore blue collar work ethic, right? Because, you know, my family, a, a lot of them, especially the men in my family, um, all of them worked for one of the big three, you know, mm-hmm. Ford, GM and Chrysler growing up. And there was this mentality of, you know, nose to the grindstone, get her done, work your ass off and, you know, retire with your pension, etc. cetera. Um, for me, you know, I, I was never going to be satisfied in a nine to five. I did it for a few years to make ends meet, but there was a part of my soul that was like, you know, if I'm going to work this hard, I'm going to work this hard for me and my vision. Right. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, again, going back to that, that, that double-edged sword of it, having a really strong work ethic and having been raised in a family with a really strong work ethic, it's been fantastically beneficial as an entrepreneur. Yeah. But it can also be detrimental in the sense that I don't know when to stop sometimes. Right. And I have, I have burnt myself out on many occasions. Right. So... It's knowing that we can work hard, hard and, and put forth, uh, you know, uh, right effort in the world, but also having that faith and that trust that our good efforts and our positive energy will be returned to us and not burning ourselves out. And, and the times I've burnt myself out was when I was not trusting. 
it's when I feel like I had to push and push and push and push and, um, not realizing that, you know, the universe or God or whatever phrase you want to use would, you know, had my back and I'm learning that and I'm getting better at, at easing off the throttle now. And that I'm glad you mentioned that because that is, you know, I, I could, that really resonates with me, Jason is, is the trust and faith part is to really have that deep in our hearts and our soul that, you know, there's this power, albeit God, the universe, again, whatever belief system, that if you're truly doing good in the world and you're living, you know, your authentic self and taking care of yourself, like you mentioned, you're only going to be able to share that light and help others. And I'm so glad you shared, you know, your morning practices with us and, you know, how you're eating, because these are just the little things we can do. It's like, you know, we live in a society sometimes where you're going to make this drastic change, but to get up in the morning and just say, thank you, that's not that hard. And it could just start yeah. and it could just start with that. And you just yeah. take it one day at a time and make that chia porridge one day at a time. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, you know, and it's these gradual steps and that's what is kind of also the beauty behind this is that it's the journey. That's the gift, not the destination. Yeah. And, and I think when, whenever anyone is uh, making changes in their life, it's important not to get discouraged. You know, um, sometimes with goal setting, people make people, people make it hard on themselves. It's like, okay, I need to lose 10 pounds in a week, or I need to be vegan a month from now. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they almost set themselves up for these unrealistic expectations when, if we are gentle with ourselves, and we pay attention to our bodies and we're conscious to what's actually going on when we're making these gradual changes. I feel if we treat, if we treat any life change as, as you said, it's more of like a marathon and not a sprint. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, um, there's going to be a higher chance that we can have this sustained success and feel good along the way instead of punishing ourselves. You know, every new year we see that it's like, Oh, I've got to lose the weight and join (laughs) the gym and go vegan and detox and do a juice fast and, start praying and start meditating and people have this to-do list that's a million miles long and there's no way they can do it all. Right. And, and, and then they punish themselves because they didn't do it all. And, and again, I think it goes back to just being gentle and gradual and having these incremental goals. And look, it's like, we've got an, you know, we've got time, we've got time to make these changes, but if we try and do too much, we're never going to get there. Right. And you mentioned something earlier and we did a show on this and I think this is what's important. And I'm, and I'm going to go back to your example of your, your 19, 20, 20 year old when you, you told your mom, hey, I'm a vegan. It wasn't about what we're talking about now. It's not about like looking good or losing that 10 pounds, but it's about feeling good. And that's what I'm yes. getting a lot is you were feeling good. You were feeling better. And that's the approach, you know, we need to educate all of ourselves on is like, this is about you and being compassionate and kind of yourself so you can feel better. And eventually though the outward results will, will come, you know, but it's about feeling good and not looking good and feeling good for yourself first. So therefore you can share that with others. Well said brother. Well said. Yep. Well, my brother, I am so excited to finally meet you. I will definitely be connecting with you either Green Space or Novi. That is definitely going to happen. I know you'll email me the details as soon as you get that so I can share that with our network. Absolutely. So 
before we let everyone go, I thank you so much for being on the show, Jason. The story you've shared and some of the personal things I think are invaluable. And it's, you know, that's the purpose of our show is to bring these things to the forefront because a lot of times these are very personal and intimate experiences. And I think there's a population out there that just needs to hear some of these things and then they'll get into it and help change their lives. So thank you for sharing everything today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So how can people find you? I am interspersed all throughout the internet. Uh, on social media, people can check out my website, um, jasonrobel.com. That's W-R-O-B as in boy, E-L.com. On Facebook, it's Jason Robel Official. Instagram and Twitter, at Jason Robel. I'm also on Pinterest, and my YouTube channel is Jason Robel TV. Awesome. And we'll make sure when we post the podcast, uh, we'll post all those links on the blog as well. So our, all everybody can get in touch with Jason and start following him and know. And once is the book out yet or is it coming out? Yeah. Uh, it's, so the uh, U.S. release date, April 5th, uh, that's also the release date for Canada and the U.K. And then several weeks later, it will be available in Australia and India as well. Awesome. Well, congratulations on having this book come out. That's a huge achievement from starting out as becoming an actor and a, a musician, and now you're a book writer and YouTube personality. I think it's great. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Jason for being on the show. We want to make sure everybody knows that you can follow us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, like us on Facebook at The Humble Warrior Podcast, and follow us on Instagram. Please be sure to. Uh, subscribe to iTunes and if you liked this episode please leave a review tell us what you thought and until next week live brave join us next week for the next episode of the Humble Warrior Podcast subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast by visiting chrisforte.com <laughs>